Hey everybody, my name is Matt Pierce, Learning and Video Ambassador for TechSmith Corporation. Welcome to the Visual Lounge. We're so glad that you're joining us, whether you're live or you're listening to the podcast or watching the video later. We're grateful that you're here with us. We have another great episode for you today. We are going to be talking with Betty Danowitz of If You Ask Betty and so much more. She is so fantastic and we'll get to that just in a second. I do want to say that if you are watching, we'd love to have your participation in, you know, liking, subscribing, rating us on, on iTunes or wherever you're listening to this because that helps us to know that this is meaningful content to you and it helps us to continue to move forward to make content. It, you inspire us basically. So definitely do that. now. With that said, out of the way, because we want to get to the good stuff today, let me introduce our guest today. So just about a year ago, I met Betty on the way from a conference from Detroit to San Jose, California. Remember when we could travel? Wasn't that a, those good times? And I had the good fortune of sharing a car with her where we rode over to the conference center together. And, uh, you know, I really got to be able to meet, if you ask Betty. And, you know, Betty is one of those people who I knew from the gate was motivated and want to make a difference in the world, especially in learning and development. And I can tell you, she is talented, resourceful, but maybe even more important, she is kind and compassionate. And on more than one occasion, I've received an encouraging message or she's reached out and asked, just how are things going? I mean, she is really the real deal. And like I said, she's driven and motivated to share, create, and help. She runs the If You Ask Betty podcast, which we'll put links in the chat for you guys where she talks about learning and development topics, and occasionally she'll have me on even to talk about Dungeons and Dragons and, you know, maybe drop a, an accent or two. So she also happens to be an associate learning solutions architect for Ken Blanchard companies. So please help me welcome, if you ask Betty, Betty Danowitz to the Visual Lounge. Hey, Betty. Hi. Welcome. Thanks, Matt. I'm so excited to be here. And you only told, you told like the nicest part of our <laughs> story meeting you should tell the rest of it well I, I thought you always tell the nicest part especially when someone's your guest so mm -hmm. you didn't tell the part about how I totally fangirled you on the plane and I was like oh, I know you no one you know what no one needs to know no one everyone knows everyone me they knows get to now. see my face right now everyone so. knows now yeah we're all, cool. we're all friends so you know Betty thank you so much for being here and you know I mean every word of what I said you've you've been so kind to reach out and one of the things I, I liked, and we haven't really had too many opportunities to talk about, is is using media. And because I know you're into some kind of looking at, I, w I don't even want to call it future tech because that seems like really big, but like AR, VR stuff. And obviously you're a, a, a talented instructional designer, training creator. But before we get into all that, I, tell us a little bit more about yourself and what, what should our audience know about you that I haven't already said? Sure. So um, I am from the Detroit area and I've lived here most of my life and uh, I've been in learning and development for almost 18 years. In fact, I think in July it'll be 18 years and I feel like, like we should have a party or something because it's like my career as an adult. So I don't know. <laughs> uh, I feel like something should be done. And, um, you know, I, I have a deep rooted personal mission and that is to help people become better humans. And I strongly, strongly believe that innovative technology is, is a huge part of that. And that includes augmented reality, virtual reality, podcasting is even considered and should be considered an innovative technology. Um, there are so many different ways that we can help people become better. And I think in learning and delivery, really, that's an undercurrent that we have. So that's a little bit more about me. Yeah, I love it. And I love this idea about making better humans because, uh, you know, 
I, I think you're doing, you're off to a good start. I know just your conversations with me. It's always just a nice uplifting moment of my day when I get a message like, hey, how you doing? Because I know it's not just you want something you're you're genuinely asking, which is is so important. But yeah. let's let's talk about the the conversation we're here to talk about today, and which is we we've talked about today's title of the episode is like you know how to decide which media to use for instruction, and I I think that becomes I think we probably need to start with what it what media do we mean or what do we mean by media because uh, you know I being from Texas tend to categorize media and I go right to images. Mm -hmm. and video, which isn't bad, but there's a whole world of media out there. What other types of media would you kind of put in your list of go-tos? So, yeah, so images and video, um, I would even throw in um, GIFs, which are like caught between image and video. They're like images as a teenager. I don't know why I make everything about a life, like life cycle, but nevertheless, um, <laughs> I, I don't know. Uh, I would throw podcasting in there. I would say, you know, um, you know, uh, immersive, any type of immersive learning. Uh, I would also say like e-learning or what we know as e-learning. So things that are created by storyline or captivate or even rise are forms of media. Um, and then also like, let's not forget social media because that's, a, I mean, it's in the name, right? So right. any type of social type of, uh, media and then, um, you know, classroom posters, like remember when we used to like go places and do things together and there was like a poster on the wall, like that's media. So I think anything that you can, you can see or experience is pretty much media. Well, and I love that you, you, you brought in that out. I, and I think, it, you know, we're not trying to make it a formal definition of media here, but I love that, that you included the experience piece of that. Cause that does seem like, mm -hmm. seems like a really important piece, right? Like I want you to, to be able to experience this. I want you to see it. I want it to, you know, media is a, it's, I mean, maybe media is not even the right word for what we're talking about, but it does seem like an important piece. So let's, let's talk about this. Okay. So we've got all these different types of media that we could choose from. How do you, like, when you're starting a project, how do you, like, I know that's not the first thing you do, or at least we shouldn't do. <laughs> I hope you're not first choosing your media. So how do you get to that point? Like, what's what has to happen so you can decide what is the best or the most appropriate media? So you got to start by, at least I do, meeting with the stakeholders and asking lots and lots of questions. Um, if you've known me for five minutes, you know that I like to ask questions. And um, I have no issues with that. And in fact, I was uh, one of my first bosses in learning and development. The first year for Christmas, she bought me the little book of big questions. And I was like, why are you buying me this? She's like, because you really like to ask questions. And I was like, I do, which is also <laughs> a question. Uh, so, yeah. So um, I love to ask questions. And that's what you need to do. Asking questions like, uh, and I always start with some of the basics, the who, what, where, when you know, why? And so, um, so like, you know, who, who are we trying to target and what is it that you want them to do when they're done with this? You know, um, wh where are they going to take this, take this learning in? Uh, let's see who, what, where, when, when do you want this to be done by? Why, why do you want it to be done by then? And why do you want them to do it to begin with? And then what are you thinking is usually one of the questions I have what are you thinking about how you might want us to deliver this? And 
I say that because I try to leave it open that I want to hear what they have to say, but it may be that my expertise lends us to a different, what, to a different route, right? A different journey. But I want to hear what the client or whoever it is that I'm working with is thinking because maybe they're thinking the same thing or maybe they have a better idea than me. It's totally possible. So, um, so yeah, so that's hopefully that answered your question, but I just ask a lot of questions. Yeah, no, no. I, and I, I like that, that, uh, you know, I know there's, um, Traditionally, like we when we go to conferences and people are talking about learning development, there's there's usually a, a kind of an unspoken there's a, ten, a tension between subject matter experts or SMEs and the mm-hmm. training creator instructional designer. Like, oh well, you know they're going to want something completely different. But I love that question at the end that you asked. That you know what do you what do you envision? Because it does seem like they might have interesting ideas that you didn't think of, or they might have a sense of what format kind of process might lend mm-hmm. itself to to their audience because they know their audience probably way better than you or I do. Mm-hmm. Um, but I also can see where there's probably a lot of times when it's like, yeah, they want something and you're like, no, that's not going to be the right one. I usually don't say it out loud, but in my head, I'm like, Mm-mm, probably not. So, uh, so when you're, so we're, okay, we're going down this path. We've asked lots of questions. We're getting information and that's going to obviously make a, a world of difference in terms of what decisions you make, right? If they tell you, mm-hmm. you know, kind of the requirements, um, are, are there things that usually come up in, in your experiences that say like, oh yeah, th- this may, this would make sense as a podcast or this would make sense as an image, kind of more image driven or, you know, or this would make sense. Oh gosh, it wouldn't be great if we had a video to do that or or is it really just super dependent upon like everything is always different and you're going to make a decision based on all the information. You're always going to make a decision based on all the information, but you know what? Do you understand what I'm asking? I don't know if I do, but. I feel you. I totally get what you're saying. So typically in the answer to the why question and in the answer to the, how do you envision it question is where sort of I pull information and decide what's, what's this going to look like when we deliver it. So a couple of things come into play. One, knowing and understanding what's the history that of how they've rolled out training in the past. And a lot of times it's classroom or e-learning, classroom or e-learning. Like that's it. That's all they've really done. Um, that's, that's not uncommon at all in the industry. And so uh, there's thinking about that and then, okay, what was the why? Why are they doing this? They Okay, so if let's just do an example. So if they want the behavior to change when interacting with their customer. Okay, so that's the why. We want their mm-hmm. behavior to change to XYZ when interacting with the customer. So, okay, so we're talking about behavior change, which to me means I need to explain to the learner why it's important for them to do it this way, what it is I want them to do, and then give them a chance to practice it a lot. So thinking about that, I'm like, okay, so then what, what is it that we can do to tell them what, tell them why, and let them practice? But before we do that, I'm bringing in those thoughts and feelings around how the client actually wants it to, it to roll, right? So what were they thinking? And so if they say, you know, well, I saw this really cool, you know, you know, ABC thing. And I think about, okay, does that ABC thing meet any of those pieces there? The why we're doing it, what I want you to do, and here's how you practice. If it does, let's tie it in, right? If they, if right. they recently saw an awesome course on RISE, right? That might be a great way for us to put the steps of what they need to do. So that takes care of the what. I just need to figure out how am I going to communicate the why and how am I going to let them practice? 
And often the why is nicely done in a delivery mode that doesn't require the individual to necessarily be in a certain place at a certain time. Because if you think about it, if you need to know and understand why something, more, more often than not, we'll send an email. I don't know about you, but I'm not very good at reading my email. Like, I scan it. I, um, anytime I share my screen on like a Zoom, people like gasp at the red number that's on my <laughs> mailbox. And um, I don't, I don't, it doesn't bother me. Like, it's not, it's not a trigger for me. Some people that can't have any of those, those things don't, those little red boxes don't bother me a bit. Um, so, my point is that I think a lot of people ignore email. But if they got a message from a leader through a podcast or even a quick pop-up video, they're going to be pay more attention to that. Let me tell you why, because I know you were going to ask me why, weren't you? I sure yeah. was. Okay. So the reason they pay more attention to that is because outside of work, that's how they consume media. They listen to things. They watch things. It's very rarely that they're reading things. They're, they're taking a quiz. Um, they're, they're scrolling through their feed, looking for something that catches their eye, uh, those types of things. So if we could kind of take that concept of this is how they consume media outside of work and bring it in, that's where you'll be able to find that spot to, to slip in those videos and podcasts and things like that. No, I, I think that's, it's a really interesting insight because I, I know it feels like you're right. Like I, I, I personally don't like having too many, I can have a few red bubbles on my email, but you know, too many, it gets overwhelming. But I, so, but I, I think you're right that people are ignoring a lot of this key information. And so you're trying to find novel ways, if you will, to, to inject that information or, or give them ways that they're used to that aren't going to feel overwhelming or can all consuming. So I, I really, I, I think that's a, a really interesting idea. So, so it sounds like you've got Procedurally, you're going to pick media that's going to lend itself to the steps, but okay. it sounds like you have some room to experiment with the why. And I know yeah. from a TechSmith perspective, like we will often try to preload meetings with, um, before you come to this meeting, watch this video. Uh, and so that way, when we get to the meeting that you know would have taken an hour, we can spend a half an hour and we can just discuss or answer questions or you know, make a decision versus here's 30 minutes of delivery. And now here's, now we have to go into all the other stuff. So it's, we're well prepped for it. Yep. And it's the same idea, right? Is what can we give them that they can consume that they'll want to consume before to give them the context they need so that they can jump right into what they need to learn. Yeah. Makes total sense. Um, so as you're doing this, you've, you've probably worked with a lot of clients, a lot of different customers, and you know whether uh, from your current job or past jobs, is is there a media type that you find yourself, just much as your clients might be going to like, oh, I saw this cool thing. Is there something cool that you're going to a lot that you're kind of, that's in your toolbox, you know, like I'm going to pull this out. This is going to be the, this is what Betty, is. Betty is known for, you know, maybe it's a podcast, maybe it's the AR, augmented reality. What is it that you find yourself going to often in the well? So in the, in corporate, in, in the J-O-B, like professional job space, uh, I love and am a complete sucker for a good animated video and, uh, I love beyond love them. Um, and here, let me tell you why, because 
a lot of times, well, two things. One, everyone loves animation. I don't care what, I do not care what these people tell you. I don't like cartoons. They're lying to you. Everyone <laughs> Say loves it again animation. so we can hear it well on the recording. They are lying to you. Like, like I'm telling you, everyone loves animation, hands down. So that's that's the first thing. Second, second thing is it is it is the most rapid video production tool that I have found because you don't actually have to go out and shoot video. You write a script, you you record a voiceover, and then you get to just create the images and create the 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 scenery, and you don't have to go and find other people to go someplace, which is really hard right now. Mm-hmm. And congregate and take and take two and three and seven takes because people freak out when the camera turns up. Um, so, so I love Viand, but Viand is not always the answer for everything. But it can definitely be a quick and rapid way to deliver micro learning. You know, three to five minute bursts of information. Um, I do love AR, and I think that AR uh, augmented reality could be used much more broadly and widely, especially when curating content and resources for employees. The problem is that you start talking about it, and instantly the, the, the leaders think dollar signs. It's really cheap, super easy. So, so you have to get in there and kind of explain that to them, and the best way to explain it is to show it. So build a prototype and show them um, and get that in there. But uh, I would say animated videos and and augmented reality are probably usually first on my mind. Um, podcasts are good, but again, podcasts are really good for pushing context and, uh, and like leadership messaging. Um, and so sometimes that doesn't always, like if you're trying to teach a, 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 a bank teller how to balance their drawer, I don't know that a podcast is going to, I mean, unless you're going to tell them the history of banking, I'm right. not really sure what you're going to tell them in a podcast. It's going to help them build that skill. So, Right. No, I, I love that. And, you know, one thing that uh, we've had Kevin Thorne on the Visual Lounge before, and he talks about obviously using comics and things like that. And, he, uh, you know, it's interesting that he said everybody loves animation. They do. It's it's interesting that the phrase you use, they love animation. You didn't say they love cartoons because cartoons is the thing. It seems like it will get it shot down pretty quickly, right? Like, Yeah, well, you have to can, say the word animation. We, that's right. cartoons. We don't do – we're not kids. We don't want to do right. cartoons. So very cartoons interesting. Cartoons equals kids. So you got you to gotta use the word animated. You know, you say, like, just go make a prototype for AR. You just go make a cartoon. And we say this a lot. Just go make your first video, right? What advice do you have for someone who's trying to to, to branch out from just using text-based with some maybe some light image-based kind of content? How, how do you go about learning some of these skills, uh, short of going just to the TechSmith Academy to learn about video? But what is it that you would recommend for someone to, like, if they want to learn... and we don't have to pick one particular medium. They want to learn about podcasting or how, how do you go about doing that? And how, what would you recommend for someone else? Uh, so the first thing I would say is you got to pay attention to what is already out there in front of you. Be very specific and deliberate to pay attention to marketing, pay attention to um, what it is that you're seeing when you scroll, like you're doom scrolling, right? Mm-hmm. Everybody here knows some doom scrolling. Okay. So you're doom scrolling. When you're doing that, like, the things that catch your eye when you're watching them also look at what they actually are. So like if it's a video of a, a dog doing a crazy trick or, you know, um, or a cat knocking something off of a, um, of a table, which by the way, I, you know how many times I've watched a video of a cat knocking something off of a table and it's absolutely hysterical every time. 
<laughs> they're just like, whoop. and you know what? This is not something new. This is something that's been around as long as we've had cats and tables. But it catches our attention. So what is it about that? Is it the fact that it was moving? Is it the fact that um, they had some uh, something flash up on the screen? Was it, um, was it a catchy title that caught your attention? Because the things that catch your attention are the things that will catch the attention of the people you're trying to deliver learning for. The way that you're consuming media is the way that they will be doing it as well. So that's the first thing is pay attention to what you're paying attention to. Uh, and, and, and then follow folks on LinkedIn that are doing some of these things and just, you know, for the lack of better word, just sort of linger and lurk and stalk. If you can, you know, research, I like to call it research, do your research by watching what it is that they do, the things that they produce and, and the, the response that they get from it. Because, you know, when, when you're, when you're scrolling up on LinkedIn and you see that little mini video that someone made about, you know, how to, what, you know, what three questions you should ask every podcast guest or something like that. And you notice that it has, you know, 475 likes, they've done something to catch people's attention. And so pay attention to what that is. Um, and use the, you know, use the opportunity to connect with people and follow people that, that do the things you want to do. Yeah, absolutely. Well, Betty, you ready to take a few questions from, from sure. the audience? Okay. So, uh, the first one comes from Adam. He's watching over on LinkedIn. Thanks, Adam, for tuning in. He says, everyone has a different research they cite on video length. When you use video, how long is too long for you to consider using it? So is there a max length that you say like, oh, now it's too long? What do you think? For like any video or, or we're talking micro learning? He's, he's, I think we're, well, let's start with ever, any kind of video, just because then we can talk, we can talk, then we can go into micro learning or short video learning. Sure. Sure. My, um, what I have heard, the research I've read and what I personally experience is at the 10 minute mark. I'm, I'm done as far as looking at it on this little device. Okay. See all those notifications. doesn't bother me a bit. Anyways, um, <laughs> <laughs> like 10 minutes is a long time for me to look at this. If I'm, if I'm going to watch something longer than that, I want to sit back in my recliner and watch it on the, the bigger screen. So 10 minutes, I think, is you, if you can get people past 10 minutes, you have really created something compelling uh, and engaging, and that's awesome. Um, as far as micro goes, you know, I've heard three to five minutes. I'll repeat that because I do think that's a good length. But there is so much value in one-minute videos and 90-second videos. Because think about, again, from a mobile device perspective, how long would you want to hold your phone up for an experience? And that's about 60 to 90 seconds. And then your arms get tired and you want to put your So that's that's a, an engagement point that goes down. <laughs> I must drop my phone You're trying like, to. Ooh, <laughs> ah, that's why I don't hold it very long. Uh, I, no, I, I, you know, it. and so, Betty, I, I, I mean, this is where... I think TechSmith has done done some of that research even. And I and I agree with you. I think the the thing about 10 minutes, I love that I love that instead of thinking about like even what contents, like what what experience you're thinking about the experience that you might be having on this device. And because we have research that shows that there are people who have preferences, and again, it's just preferences. So people could say whatever that are for longer videos. But I think the the trick with those you said is engagement. Mm -hmm. And I think you have to have content that merits that length, right? Like if you make a, a, a longer than 10 minute video and it, it doesn't need to be longer than 10 minutes, then then you're just wasting time. 
And why would anyone want to watch that? Um, right. So I think that's really important. And I do like what you, and also about the shorter videos, I think that's really interesting. You know, I don't know if there's a length limit, you know, what makes micro learning. I, I, and I, I honestly, I'm going to be really bold here. So don't get offended about you. I don't care if you make a two minute video and that works for your audience because you gave them the right context. It's relevant to their needs. It's solving a problem. It's helping them be a better human or better worker or whatever it might be. 90 seconds, two minutes. I don't care. Like, right. uh, but you, but you, what you said is we have to make it, we have to grab their attention. We have to make it engaging. We can't just expect them to sit there and just take in anything we give them. We have to do mm -hmm. our homework to make it good. So agreed. Good, good answers. Um, okay. So we're going to, Adam had another question. We're going to, sure. Adam, Adam asks a question. We're going to answer them. He says, also, since this is the TechSmith session, What's one trick you think most people don't know about Camtasia or Snagit? If you don't have one, Betty, I don't want to put you on the spot because we didn't. I told you it wasn't. We're not going to talk product, but if you had a tip, I mean, we've got. Tips I have so, one. I have yeah. one. Um, so I, 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 I was not paid to say this. I love Camtasia. I think that was one of the first things I ever said to Matt after I stopped fangirling her. Was I was like, I love Camtasia, and he was like, Oh, good. Did you know we have other products too? I was like, Oh yeah. <laughs> Anyways, but. Um, Love Camtasia. I use Camtasia to edit my podcast. I use Camtasia for all my video editing freelance. Um, and what I recently learned, uh, and actually, Matt, you gave me this tip, and so I'm going to give it back out, is the ripple delete. Oh, oh, yeah. I cannot tell you how long I spent splitting here, splitting here, hitting the clicking on it, hitting the delete button, pulling it together, and then stitching it like, like 17 steps. And all you got to do is drag right click ripple delete and it cuts that piece out and stitches it with the other media the first time i did it i literally like woohoo like and my kids come what's going on i'm like i just figured this out like you don't know how much time this is gonna save me so ripple delete yeah and i'll get i'll give a snag it one and i don't know how much you're using okay, snag it betty but i love and it's it's a little bit obscure but if you grab an image that's you know something that's got text that's baked in you couldn't copy and paste it Snagit has an OCR feature, optical character recognition. You can grab the text so you then can copy and paste it into other things and get this. It, it, and this is one that sometimes doesn't work as well as others, but depending on the font, you can actually go in and change the text in that image. You can like do a replace on Stop a, it. That's not true. That's true. It's true. Oh my gosh, I'm so excited. I'm going to try that today. So grab text. I use, it's, I've used Snagit for like 15 years, maybe more. I didn't know that. It's it's pretty cool. So thanks, that Adam, for cool. asking those questions. We always appreciate those. Those are fun to, to answer. So I've done podcasts, videos, photography, and I think this is Michael again, um, and presentations on various software for the charity I work for. The video was mainly internal, so the target audience uh, are real, already invested. Podcasts are public, no longer produced, but in the short term time, there was some traction. Interesting, Betty, let's talk about that because I think there's a difference between... In so like what we're doing here is very public, right? We're creating stuff from uh -huh. public audience. Does media do media decisions change like podcasts or, you know, using cho choosing to do videos? Does that change for you when you're thinking external audience versus internal audience? Like if your corporation's going to do a podcast or do you like, oh, that's really hard to distribute? It's actually not as hard as you would think. I think um, folks often think that, okay, well, if I'm doing a podcast, it has to be published publicly. Um, it actually doesn't. What you can do, basically a podcast is an audio file when it's all said and done. 
Um, and highly recommend you use Camtasia or um, Audiate to do that. See what I did there? And uh, anyways, <laughs> so once you create your audio file, one, one tip that I like to give out is that you can upload it to YouTube as an unlisted item. So you might have to throw a picture in and make it an MP4. Like, so maybe it's like the cover of your podcast and you can put it into YouTube and as an unlisted item, that means no one in the public can find it unless they have the exact link. And then you can take that link and you can actually put it in your learning management system as an item so that when they click on this, I'm going to complete this task or whatever it is, it will link out to YouTube. Now, your people have to have access to YouTube through your IT. So that is one gate, but that is one way to do that. Um, and then uh, the way that I did this at previous companies is post it out to YouTube as an unlisted and then put it on, um, our intranet, our internal intranet, uh, so that people can access, anyone can access it there. Um, so that's, that's one way to do it. Another one is, um, just to put it into a SharePoint file that all employees can access and, and then publish that link that way as well. Is that helpful? Yeah. No, that that's awesome because, and I, and you know, self, selfish, selfish, shameless plug here is you could use screencast.com. You could use Nomia Pro. There's lots of, TechSmith has sure. a few options that could help, but I love that, that you're thinking about like, okay, this doesn't have to be difficult. And even it, you make it a video file, but you post it someplace and then they're just going to listen audio only. I mean, what, shoot, Google has taken away Google Play, which is their music service and turned it into mm-hmm. YouTube music, right? Like, that not that it's the exact same, but it, the, we see that that's not such an uncommon thing. And I, I so I love that idea. And I know, um, you know, we're talking, we've, we've talked a lot about podcasts, but I want to talk about images and video for a second. Cause that's what sure. we're really about. Um, I think one of the things that happens when people are creating learning development, it's really easy to get sucked into the stock image vortex of like, mm. you know, cheesy conference room, people shaking hands, person at, a, you know, generic person at whiteboard writing formula that means nothing. We've all, and we've all done it. Like we've all pulled from stock photos because it's like, oh gosh, I don't, I need something here. What advice would you give us about like, how do you get out of like, just having, you know, kind of bland imagery? What, what can you do to make your courses come a little bit more alive or to use media that's going to make it feel not so stock and bland, if you will? Yeah, I think, in this area, a lot of times we feel like we've run out of ideas. You ever feel that way, Matt? Like oh, yeah. you just run up, like I have no more ideas. Uh, so I have found a couple of things that help with that. One, I go into Canva. Are you familiar with Canva? Oh, yeah. Love Canva. Love it. Um, not as much as I love Camtasia, but close. <laughs> uh, and I go into Canva and just look around like, like search for the type of thing I'm trying to do and use that to generate new ideas. The thing I really like about Canva is that it is, they have so many pre-made templates. When I say so many, I'm like thousands, tens of thousands of pre-made templates. And they're built based on what's popular. So in social media area, as far as what are the things that catches people's eye. And then also they're built on like what's popular business wise. So you can find both stuff that's like really out there and kind of wild. And then you can find stuff that's um, a little more formal and professional. Um, so I use Canva to, a lot of times to generate or create new things and new ideas. Um, I also, I'm a big fan of, you know, again, I'll say this, you just got to pay attention to what's going on around you. One of the things, um, 
I've told the story a few times. My, my daughter is a freshman in college and about a year ago, she started getting all of the mail, like snail mail from colleges trying to get her, Hey, you should come to this college. Hey, you should come to this college. And at least once a week I would bring in the mail and I would be like, Hey, so-and-so sent you this flyer here, but you can't have it. And she would be like, why? I'm like, cause I, I need it. It's a really good example of like, I could use, I could do something like this in learning. <laughs> in fact, I took one, it was like this tablet sized document. And when you opened it up, it had like this journey. It was like a, it was like a learning journey of, of getting onboarded to the college. And I was like, Oh, and I took that back and I copied and steal everything. I cased it. Right. I, I took something, a similar, like, like I, I took that as my vision and I created something for new hires that was similar to that with a, with a little road and like stop pit stops along the way. And all of that was influenced by snail mail that my kid got. So pay attention to those things and the things that you like, you can duplicate or you can, because I mean, you can, you can make a version of it that fits what you need and still looks just as beautiful as what this one did. Yeah. Well, I love that, that your, your answer to this is go look for inspiration, go look at what other people are doing. And, you know, I, I remember this cause I, this was in a, a class I had a long time ago in college that we had to watch about the tech revolution of the 70, or, you know, seventies and eighties rise of Apple and Steve jobs said, and he really stole from Picasso, but you know, uh, good artists copy, great artists steal, right? And, uh, Absolutely. and I, that has stayed with me all these years. Of all the things I've forgotten from my college education, that one has stuck with me because it's I, it's just what you said, right? Like you can find inspiration all around you for this. And I love that you're taking this from college admissions, you know, like promotions. Like mm-hmm. from it, Betty, you're a trainer stealing from marketing. Absolutely. Every single time. And you should follow those folks out there that are so good at marketing. Uh, one guy I'm going to drop, uh, I'm going to drop right now. I think his name is Chris Smith, but he has a marketing group called seed to branch. He posts some of the craziest, cool marketing stuff that he sees or finds on the net. And it's so inspiring. Now, some of the things are kind of wild. Like when it looks like there's, um, a whale coming out of the building, I'm not going to be able to do that. But some of the things that he does, I'm like, you know what, we could do that. We could do something like that. And here's how it could apply. So that creativity, you get, you get that going when you go out actually looking for those things. Yeah, I, I love it. And I, this is where I think having a good uh, system for keeping track of that stuff and a place to deposit like and, and this is you know I, I i feel bad talking about snagit but this is one of the reasons i use snagit as i grab those things because i just like i'm not gonna remember that web page i already have too many tabs open so i just grab a capture of that and then i got uh, various note-taking tools that i can i can put that into but to me that's awesome and i would say uh, we've talked about from an image standpoint looking at you know the canva templates and stuff like that i do this with videos all the time mm-hmm. it's one of the things i'm doing when i'm on youtube sometimes i'm just getting entertained but like I love watching these homegrown video creators who've really gotten good at production and mm-hmm. how they're now all starting to teach. Like, you know, you look at, unless they're like super mega stars on YouTube, right? Like, what do they do? They create a YouTube channel. They, they get some moderate success. And then what do they do? They create a masterclass. They teach, you know, yep. and, and, but, and why they're not, you know, you know, maybe formally trained, 
It doesn't matter. They've got good ideas and they've, they, they look at their data way better than I think most people in, in training and development do because they have instant access to data. YouTube tells you a lot about what your audience uh -huh. thinks about your video, whether you like it or not. It tells you that how much they watch, how much they, where did they stop watching at what point in the video, you know, like, so that's the other, I love this, this thread of like, you want to get better at images and video and whatever you're doing, go look at what the people that are doing well to. are doing. Mm -hmm. For sure. And pay attention to those things that you otherwise ignore and say, you know, what could I do with that? Is there something I could do with that? Um, yeah. Yeah, I, I just saw I just saw this little mini video clip in, as I was doom scrolling the other day, and it showed like the top was uh, the the new adventures of Win no the adventures of Winnie the Pooh, and the bottom was like the Jungle Book, and it went through like multiple movies where Disney basically used the same sequence, so like Christopher Robin is walking across the top, and then. Uh, Mowgli is walking in Jungle Book and it's literally the exact same sequence, different background, different character. And they they did that several times early on when animation was hand-drawn. Why can't we do that? Why? Like That's a great uh, uh, example of what it is that we want to do because looking at them, they're so, they're so they're just different enough that people wouldn't notice. And here's the thing, if they do notice and it reminds them of something that they know and understand and, and like, that's all the better, right? It's all the better for you because they're going to be much more interested in paying attention to that and doing something with that because it looks like something they already know. Yeah, I, I actually saw that same clip and it was very impressive. The number of yeah. old classic movies that had reused basically mm -hmm. the same concept and scenes one one it was interesting because it was like and one thing was throwing a character but yet yeah, another one was throwing a book uh, so yeah just that reuse in fact we had a great episode we had amy woods on from content 10x and her company Ooh. is all about repurposing content and it's it's not quite the same because it's not like oh take this and then repurpose it for this other thing but it's like how do you take the one piece of content and turn it into many pieces of content yes so that you you know if you got a great training message because we all know that you know learning doesn't stop or just all happen in the classroom or in mm -hmm. the e-learning course, right? Like six months later, three months later, how much have you forgotten? And you need those probably snap like, oh yeah, by the way, did you remember you're supposed to do X, Y, or Z? Are you still mm -hmm. doing X, Y, and Z? So yeah. 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 Great, and great observation. More, I, got, I got one more thought. Yeah. Think about the brands that you follow and can recognize at, at like a side glance, like it, like a passing glance, you can recognize. So what's one that you can think of, Matt, that you could recognize at a passing glance? Oh, anymore. It's, uh, it's probably Amazon or FedEx because I can see them passing by on my window. That's true. And also this little fruit flavored one Apple, right here. Yeah. yeah. Or how about Starbucks, which mm -hmm. I mean, everyone seems, even if you don't go to Starbucks seems to recognize their logo or the, or the color green. Have you ever been out somewhere and been like, I think that's like Starbucks green. Mm -hmm. So the, the same concepts around brand, those are the things that, you know, if those things work well for them, those things will work well for you. So sort of looking at, okay, what is it? What do we want our message to be and how do we become on brand? And I know this could be a whole other conversation, but taking inspiration from those things. And I mean, okay, since we're talking about Starbucks, since I brought it up, you do realize <laughs> that, that beautiful white cup that you love, that you are drawn to and compelled to, has a siren on it. That's not oh, yeah. by accident. 
It's not by accident. That's mm-hmm. why I just don't drink coffee. Well, not getting sucked that, in. I got my I'm own sorry. vices. That's. <laughs> oh my gosh, I'm not getting sucked in. Oh, I wish yeah. I would have thought of that. <laughs> well, I, Michael has a great comment here. He says, also finding inspiration from Google Trends, design, graphics, photography, movies, stories, etc." And I totally agree that there's mm-hmm. you know, inspiration is everywhere. There are design principles out there that can help us. This is all, all really, really great. Uh, Betty, this is fantastic stuff. Um, Betty, why we're waiting for any last questions, if any come in, I'm sure someone's listened to this and they said, this is fantastic stuff. They might want to go listen to more from you. Where can they find you? Oh, so on LinkedIn, I'm under Betty Danowitz, as you can see. Um, Any other social media outlet, I am, if you ask Betty, all lowercase, all one word. Uh, So you can find me there. You can also find me at ifyouaskbetty.com or you can take a listen to my podcast, which just dropped the uh, 53rd episode, I think it was. Um, And that's the If You Ask Betty podcast, which is anywhere that you listen to podcasts. Awesome stuff. And what is episode 37 is with me? Yeah, that one's really cool. It's with this, uh, this guy named Matt Pierce and then this other guy named Dan Hurt who was literally and he's going to be so excited that i said this on camera but was fanboying both matt and dungeons and dragons and so i was like bro come on just be on the podcast with me and uh and we had such a good time and i think you should like end the show with your scottish accent that one's my favorite and in respect to to michael who mentioned he's from scotland i will not embarrass myself but uh, i will say thank you betty this has been fantastic um michael does ask a question though he's saving me from embarrassment of having to do this and he says your favorite platform for education videos so uh, michael if uh, and he means he says i mean that you would release your work on so is there is there a place where you put your education videos betty someplace that you think is really good to release them youtube yeah, YouTube is uh, definitely my favorite. Although I still think you should have asked me that question in your accent, but it's fine. We're all disappointed, I guess, together. We'll all get, I guess everyone will have to, uh, see, everyone has to go listen to the episode. They want to hear me do a fake Scottish accent that's not that great. They can they can do that. Oh, Michael says it's he's good, Irish. Yeah. I'm, I'm totally good. So, uh, uh, so but no, I, I think that's interesting you said YouTube because, you know, we've been, we've been known to say around here that, you know, YouTube is the number two, search engine by, by like just volume, but I like to say it's the number one how-to engine, right? It, it is literally mm-hmm. a place where education videos, such a big segment opportunity there if you're making your videos for public consumption, um, but there's a lot that goes into getting found. I think that's the biggest complaint about YouTube. It's like people are like, oh, it's hard to get things found, but you need to know, it goes back to all those things we talked about at the beginning, the questions you ask, who's your audience? Why am I doing this? Mm-hmm. What am I trying to get them to go through? So awesome yeah. stuff. Yep. All Agreed. Right. Sorry well, I was so pushy about the accent. That's okay. It was just really fun. Maybe another time. Maybe another time. We'll, we'll have to have Betty back sometime and we'll we'll just, we'll make her do some accents too. Or or just go find somebody that really is has a nice Irish or Scottish accent and you'll be happier because mine's yeah. fake. It's a Michigan one. It's not great. Well, <laughs> everyone, thank you so much for tuning into this episode of the Visual Lounge. Betty, thank you so much. Always a pleasure to talk with you. Thank you for all you're doing to contribute to our industry as well as just your great advice today. Really, really appreciate it. Thanks, Matt. Thanks for having me. Yeah. 
All right, everybody. We're so glad that Betty could join us. She's just a delight. I love talking to Betty. It's just uh, always a good time. And I never know where quite where the conversation is going to go. And she's always going to ask me to do an accent for the rest of my life. But anyways, don't forget, we have a free TechSmith Academy. So the TechSmith Academy is an online learning platform to help you learn skills to help you make videos or help you make images. So for instance, we've got a course up there about screen recording. It's 30 short videos between one to three minutes that are going to walk you through the process of screen recording. It is not about Camtasia though. It is really about the process of how are you going to make that screen recording things that you need to think about along the way. We've also got courses about script writing, storyboarding, adding lights to your video, recording audio in whatever environment you're in. We even got one about creating job aids. So not, not video-based at all. It's about creating job aids. And another one by Michelle Wiedemer that is really good about writing helpful help. So if you're not doing so much training, but you're looking to write actually help documentation, she provides a lot of great information, including about things like simplifying your images, how you can use Snagit to make great graphics that augment your help since we're talking about, we already talked about using media today. It's another great way to do it. So with that said, I want to thank everybody for tuning in. We hope that every single day you're taking time to level up your skills and get a little bit better. And until next week, we'll see you then.